Hi everybody, I'm Dustin. I'm Anna. And we are not qualified to investigate the paranormal, but we might be more qualified than... Ariana Huffington. Mm. Of the Huffington Post. <laughs> also Ariana Grande. We are more qualified than Ariana Grande. <laughs> yep. That's good to know. Okay. <laughs> everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast. The only one you need. <laughs> <laughs> For all your news, listen to us, and we will guide you in the right direction of the paranormal, and even for politics, other things, too. <laughs> no, don't listen to us for politics. Um, Don't even listen to us for the paranormal. As a matter of fact, the very first things that we say at the beginning of every single podcast is that we are not qualified to mm -hmm. be doing this. Mm -hmm. So why are we? Mm-hmm. Well, because there are lots of other people out there who are talking about this and also are not qualified to be doing it. So yeah, here and, we are. And because we have other qualifications. We do have other qualifications. Many skills here. I can um, throw a bunch of pennies on the ground and tell you exactly how many there are within five seconds. You can? No. <laughs> You've been holding out on me, these special skills? No, that's a special <laughs> skill. <laughs> Is that going to make us millions or something? I don't know what that's going to do. Oh, no. Here we are. <laughs> okay. I say a lot of things almost every episode. And one of those things is that I'm really excited about tonight's story. And I am, but I'm not. The other thing that I usually say is that we're going to we're gonna shake things up a little bit. We're going to do things a little different. Uh, and we don't. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> no, it's pretty formulaic. Like I tell two to three yeah. stories. Yeah. Maybe I'll go into a definition of what things are. Yeah. Uh, and then we talk about the paranormal possibilities and the scientific possibilities behind what's going on. Uh -huh. Right. So I think that's what we're doing here now. Okay. So you're pref <laughs> you're prefacing this with, uh, we're going to do the same thing we typically do. <laughs> we're going to do the same thing that we always do. If you tuned in to relax <laughs> and have the same old thing happen over and over again, guess what? Welcome in, brother and sister. Prepare to be tuned in. <laughs> oh, you said it. I did. You said it. Okay. I have a bedtime story to tell you. Tell me a bedtime story. In the tranquil seaside town they had just moved to, Anna and Dustin found a charming house perched precariously near the edge of the sea. This was their new start, a sanctuary away from the clamor of city life. Their first day was filled with the standard confusion and exhaustion that comes with moving. Furniture was arranged, boxes were unpacked, and by nightfall, the couple was ready for their first night in their new home. As the tide whispered its ceaseless lullaby and the moon bathed the house in a soft glow, Dustin awoke from his sleep with a start. His eyes darted about the room. His breathing became shallow and rapid. He was unable to move. A familiar sense of dread washed over him. He was paralyzed. Whoa. This is... Is this about us? <laughs> Are we breaking the fifth wall? <laughs> Dustin's eyes fell upon the slightly ajar door of their bedroom. A chilling figure stood there, the silhouette of a young girl. Her hair hung like curtains, shrouding her features, save for her eyes. Those two orbs bore into Dustin with a stare filled with malice and contempt. He tried to ask her, what are you doing in my house? But no words came out. The girl didn't move, only raised one arm and pointed directly at him. The girl, she whispered her voice echoing ominously in the silent room. The girl, the girl, the girl. Each time her voice became louder and more filled with hatred. Dustin tried to scream, his heart pounding wildly against his ribs, but all that escaped was a feeble whimper, barely audible even to his own ears. Suddenly he felt a warm hand on his shoulder. Dustin, Anna's voice cut through the icy fear that gripped him. His paralysis broke, and he shot upright, panting, his eyes darting to the door. But the ghostly figure was gone. Dustin, are you okay? Anna asked, concern etched on her soft features. <laughs> she sounds nice. <laughs> you were making this strange sound. It woke me up. He took a moment to regain his composure before responding. Sleep paralysis, he managed, rubbing his face with trembling hands. It was just another episode. Even though the figure was gone, her words echoed ominously in his mind. The girl. The girl. The girl. All he wanted to do was return to a peaceful sleep, holding on a close, away from the haunting gaze of the spectral girl. Hmm. And that's the end of the first story. Wow. That's my bedtime story. Thoughts. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. 
that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> I think you told me when that happened. That I don't. I don't know how how, how biographical autobiographical is this. This is one hundred percent autobiographical, and it's pretty accurate as far as time frame of our lives go. You know that I. Uh, I don't like to say the word suffer because I don't think that I don't feel like I really suffer from this. It's just something that happens every once in a while, maybe five times a year, mm-hmm. which is sleep paralysis. And it does affect one in five Americans at least once in their life. And some Americans have it. Or I'm sorry. Some people in the world have it more than other people. Mm-hmm. And I just am one of those people who have it more. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And I think you're going to have a lot to say about that as well. But this was actually something that happened. And you and I actually do, you know, you you do wake me up like this. Not often, but it happens. Yeah, every now um, and then. <clears throat> every now and then. But this is one of those ones that really stuck with me. It was a very vivid... I have vivid dreams and I have sleep paralysis episodes that happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're pleasant. Sometimes they're not. This was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a pleasant experience. And that is kind of all I can do is kind of, you know, make a noise. Make somewhat of a noise. Mm-hmm. And then usually that translates, that goes outside of my sleep. And you're able to hear it and it wakes you up and you wake me up. Mm-hmm. How many seconds or minutes do you think that night was or that they typically are for you? Oh, I have no idea. You, mm-hmm. you mean like during in the real world? How long? Yeah. I have no idea. Right? How would I know that? Yeah. I Well, I because I was just looking at the descriptions and yeah, you were looking at some of the numbers on the prevalence rates of it. And I hadn't in many years seen the estimates of how long people are experiencing that. And I didn't even know they had, how do they even get good accurate estimates? It has to be sleep studies of people with sleep paralysis, but um, because there it are can. sleep studies and I'm going yeah. to show you some evidence okay. of the paranormal during yeah. a sleep study, but go ahead. It's, it's interesting because it, I was surprised to hear that it ranges from several seconds to 20 minutes. And then the oh, average okay. is like six minutes. And I oh, had, wow. was just okay. like, wow, they have to have, I wonder how solid that data is and like what kind of sample size. Yeah, I think it is. And Mm -hmm. it it is a dis, it can be a disorder. It can Mm -hmm. be something that is so common in somebody's life that it ruins their sleep because they're terrified to go back to sleep. They're terrified to have another vivid dream. They're terrified to be paralyzed laying in their bed. Yeah, it can contribute to sleep, other sleep problems. Completely Mm -hmm. understandable, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, this is something that uh, affects me. Uh, Anna is actually a sleep therapy expert. Um, what's the word to say? I, one of my specialties is insomnia and I provide cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is the frontline treatment recommended by the American Sleep Medicine Association. Um, for th- sleep paralysis as well. No, not necessarily. Oh, really? Um, okay. That, That's just what I read on Wikipedia, but you are the yeah. expert. So you tell me what Wiki- <laughs> where Wikipedia is wrong. It, it <laughs> might be like a helpful treatment, but we'll talk about why that is or isn't. And we'll hold off on that because, you know, I can go down a whole sidetrack on that. Yeah. But it could be helpful. It can help many, many people. But be- in, in that I have a lot of experience assessing, diagnosing, and treating insomnia, you have to also be aware of co-occurring conditions. And sleep paralysis is one of the parasomnias that that can co-occur with insomnia and Ah, several other mental health conditions that I treat. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing, I guess the one one thing I want to talk about real quick is that I've had this uh, as far back as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I do remember when I finally had the ability to put a name to what was going on with me. I don't remember what I thought it was before. I didn't necessarily think it was anything paranormal, Mm -hmm. although that might have been described to me at some point because I was... Somewhat raised in a religious house. I guess like weird Southern Pentecostal (laughs) is the best way to put some of the more wacky churches that I've been to Mm -hmm. that I went to in my childhood. And there were people there that definitely believed in some of the paranormal explanations for sleep paralysis that I'm going to go into. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember necessarily thinking I was being possessed by a demon or anything crazy like that. Mm -hmm. But I had a buddy uh, who's actually my drummer for my band at the time who told me about this band who basically wrote an entire album based upon letters that the lead singer received from fans about their experiences with a thing called sleep paralysis. And I had no idea what it was. I didn't, I was like, Oh, what's that? When he explained it to me, I was like, Oh my God, I get that all the time. When was, when was this? 2002. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know that there's some listeners out there, some of you younger millennials and your, and you generation Zers who are like, uh, how could you like not know about something? You just look it up online. <laughs> you know what we had? We had Alta Vista back then. Oh, we didn't no. have Google. <laughs> we had Lycos. Okay. Right. We had Yahoo. Yahoo. And y'all yeah. know what that's like, mm-hmm. right? What it's like now. It wasn't any better back then. Mm-mm. It was probably worse. Mm-hmm. 
so you couldn't just look things up like that. There, I think WebMD was kind of around, but they didn't necessarily have psychological things or, or anything like that. It was like, you know, oh, um, you know, you've got a, a spiral fracture because your bone's sticking out of your leg. You should go to the hospital immediately. Like that's that's kind of the level it was at. Or you have cancer all the time, right? And, and it still is kind of like that. But you just didn't have that kind of, you would just have to hear about something and <laughs> Yeah. From a friend. And then you'd be like, oh, wait, I do have that because it wasn't something that I talked about a lot. And, you know, again, it didn't affect me too much. Probably. Well, probably back then, maybe 10 times a year. And it, and it goes through phases where I get it more often. But there's a reason for that, too, um, which I'm sure Anna will get into. But so, yeah. Anyway, the name of this 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 album was El Cilio. El Cilio. I can't pronounce that. C-I-E-L-O. What band? Dredge. Dredge. D-R-E-D-G. That's yeah. Dredge, right? Oh, yeah, never heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of Dredge. I mean, I've, I think I actually listened to the album a little bit. Um, it wasn't my thing, Mm-mm. but it was uh, it was kind of eye-opening because I read the lyrics because he had the he, he had the CD insert. So I, I read the lyrics, which again, for you younger millennials and you Generation Zeros out there, there used to be this insert that came within CDs and also albums and also tapes and also everything before that that would actually have the lyrics on them for the most part of like the songs that were on the album. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> on paper. Ew, it's paper. It's paper. <laughs> so retro but anyway so that's kind of how i finally put a name to the thing that i had and once i heard that there was enough people out there writing to an alternative rock band and they made an album about it i was like i'm not alone in this and mm-hmm. any any ideas that it may have been parallel paranormal were gone mm-hmm. at that point because mm-hmm. i'm like no if enough people are suffering from this it's probably some kind of psychological thing or some some kind of thing that everybody gets yeah right like things we just don't talk about as a society and and sure enough it is you know one in five again Mm -hmm. one in five people around the world i think i said earlier in the u.s but i think it's around the world one in five people have this at least once within their life okay and the visions yeah how common is was that for you oh every single time okay every single time with Mm -hmm. the visions it's turned into this thing where now you can kind of tell I'm old enough now where I've had this happen my entire life, so I can kind of tell the signs before the episode kicks off. Wait, as you're falling asleep? Yeah. And once that happens, it's a little more in my control what, what happens within the rest of the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when that happens, obviously I try to steer it in the direction of non-terrifying things, mm-hmm. like dead ghost girls saying the girl and pointing at me. Mm-hmm. So but, you have almost like a lucid dream capacity. Yeah, no, I do. And mm-hmm. and I did some research. I did do some research on this as well throughout mm-hmm. my 20s. And I, I learned some tricks on how you can actually continue the lucid dream. Because mm-hmm. most of the time when you realize you're dreaming, you wake up, right? Mm-hmm. I can feel myself waking up and I can stop myself from doing it within the dream. Mm-hmm. And one of the tricks that I use all the time, and it works for me, I'm not going to say it works for everybody, is that within your dream, if you imagine whatever body you're inhabiting or, you know, whatever you see as your physical form, if you put your arms out to your sides and you spin around, you get to stay in your dream for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. That stops me from waking up. This is a different sort of episode. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to Dustin's After Hours. I told you it was a bedtime story. So the one thing I do want to talk about here as well are the paranormal explanations, because this is something that has been documented since... 5400 BC, mm-hmm. meaning that as long as humans have been around and able to dream, there has been sleep paralysis or some indications that humans have gone through sleep paralysis. You said 5400 BC. Yeah. That's the not much is documented from. from no, that. I know. It's but there are, uh, so... hold on, let me, let me get into it. Okay. Because there are, there are writings. <laughs> okay. There are things in the things. Because guess what's been around, you know? forever religion oh i was gonna say paper i was like no 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 not paper religion (laughs) which kind of led to paper and everybody writing things down but only certain people could do it back then and Mm -hmm. just you know back when let's make religion great again so jump into paranormal explanations real quick here if you don't mind oh please that's that's half of what we're here to do okay Sleep paralysis is a well-documented sleep phenomena. There are many paranormal interpretations of sleep paralysis that exist in different cultures around the world. These interpretations often revolve around the experiences of visual and auditory hallucinations that can accompany sleep paralysis, which can make the experience feel incredibly real and often terrifying. The first one is ghostly visitations and hauntings. In some cultures, sleep paralysis is thought to occur due to an unwanted visit by a ghost or spirit. The inability to move or speak is attributed to the spirit's control over the individual. The vivid, often disturbing hallucinations that can accompany sleep paralysis are perceived as interactions with these spiritual entities. And I think that's the main one. We'll get into 
the, the second main one's coming up, but th- then we get into like kind of just sub genres of the main ones. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the second one is alien abductions. Some people interpret their episodes of sleep paralysis as evidence of extraterrestrial intervention or abduction. They might report seeing strange creatures, feeling sensations of floating, or being outside their bodies, or experiencing lost periods of time, all of which are common experiences in sleep paralysis, but are interpreted as physical experiences rather than hallucinations. Mm -hmm. They forget that time is a perception as well. That's why when you ask me how long does it last, I'm like, (laughs) when I'm frightened, when I'm trying to scream my head off in my sleep, it seems like a really long time. Yeah, it's so difficult to estimate or describe our own sleep phenomena that's that's where sleep studies come in the oldest reason is coming up here demonic possession or attacks in certain cultures and belief systems sleep paralysis is seen as evidence of demonic attack or possession the person may feel pressure on their chest as if something heavy is sitting there and may perceive a malevolent presence in the room this has led to interpretations involving demons or evil spirits Some of the earliest writings related to sleep paralysis come from Mesopotamia, from around 2400 BC. These accounts refer to Lilutu, a female demon. Researchers believe that it is from early folklore that the concepts of incubus, succubus, and the nightmare descended. Mm -hmm. Okay, so incubus and succubi and succubi. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Real quick, I'm going to skip over the next two just to talk about those. In medieval Europe, sleep paralysis was often explained as an attack by an incubus or succubus, mythological demons that were believed to sit on the chest of sleeping individuals, rendering them immobile and inducing horrifying dreams. Similar beings have also been mentioned in Buddhist and Arabic writings. So pre-everything, mm-hmm. right? We're yeah. talking... I think I said 5,200. I'm sorry. 2,400. Yeah. I was a couple thousand years off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, you know what? Some of the Buddhist writings might have been a little bit older, but I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for pre-science explanations to be spiritual oh, or for sure. paranormal. We don't understand supernatural what's going on. in nature. Yeah. It's God. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the only explanation. That or we can... on the flip side, it's the devil. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the devil, another name for this in Western culture is the old hag syndrome. This is a font. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. This is a phenomenon that occurs during sleep paralysis where the person feels a presence of a supernatural creature suffocating or terrifying them. This has been widely reported across different cultures and often involves a terrifying witch or hag. <laughs> Why? Wow. Uh, I mean, mine was a girl in, in the explanation that I said. That uh-huh. was, but I would never call her a hag <laughs> or a witch even, I think. <laughs> to me, it seemed like a dead girl, mm. like a girl who had died in the house that we had just moved into. Like how old? Oh, 12. Oh. Yeah. And that was kind of the story your mind made up that there, she's a ghost of someone who died in this house. Oh, I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. what somebody would think. You know, it's a brand new oh, house. Oh, it's not anything that crossed your mind at the time. Oh, I'm sure it did. Oh, but okay. I, again, I'm so used to it. I just go back to sleep. Right. So, you, <laughs> having been 20 years into having these, yeah. you were sort of like, it's not a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I rolled right back over and went to sleep. Yeah. After that, but again, it's vivid. I do remember lots of details mm-hmm. from it. I still remember the details from it because probably because it is so terrifying, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you have something to say to, to say about that as well. Uh, the last I thing better. Here, <laughs> the last thing here is something, also another paranormal thing that we'll probably eventually talk about, but it's a thing that is commonly known as shadow people. Some who have experienced sleep paralysis report seeing shadowy figures, sometimes referred to as shadow people during their episodes. The shadowy figures are often perceived as malevolent, contributing to the fear and anxiety associated with the experience. And those are just some of the paranormal explanations that a lot of people wrap around sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of studies done on people who have sleep paralysis because it can be considered a sleep disorder or a symptom of a larger sleep disorder, and therefore they go into sleep studies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when sleep studies are done, that's basically they, uh, I'll let you explain that, but turns out there's not very many things supernatural about it. <laughs> <laughs> it turns <It's>, out. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. However, I will say that and we'll, I'm going to pass it back over to you. When it comes back to me, we're going to go through, oh, who was it? BuzzFeed did a documentary 
on sleep paralysis and they asked for user submissions and then they published some of those user submissions and they're mm-hmm. about a paragraph long each. I'm going to read a couple of them mm-hmm. because there are themes in those that match themes in mine and match themes in some of the things that I just read. Yeah. And so there is this, you know, we've talked about this before where there is as human beings, there are some fears that we all have. Yep. Because of who we are, yep. what we evolve from, yep. and where we evolve from. Mm-hmm. Also, cultural context. But mm-hmm. as we said, these span cultures. So it's 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 difficult to pinpoint some of those things. Mm-hmm. Sleep paralysis is cross-culture. Mm-hmm. It is everywhere. Um, but before I dive into kind of the themes that we see and, and how those connect back to the supernatural, what's up, Doc? What? <laughs> well, you just said so many things. What would you want to know more about? or? <laughs> Yeah, and and we've talked about it on the on the pod before where we go into how we see cross-culturally without any connection possibly. Like you could go to a remote location and talk to a tribe that's never talked to a western civilization before, and there would be people within their civilization who had had a dream about a shadow person or of who have had a dream about an old witch or yeah. some other type of similar whatever yeah. their similar entity would be. Yeah. And so common themes in our subconscious if you want to call a dream state like that this is an altered state of consciousness so yeah there are common themes and then the link with sleep paralysis is what i think might be important to differentiate is like sleep paralysis simply put is the loss of motor control Mm -hmm. experienced during some phase of sleep that is experienced that while conscious Mm -hmm. in a phase and you're still in a phase of sleep we can talk about that too so then there are these associated auditory and visual mm-hmm. experiences right. that happen. And you're, you're talking about like a vision of a shadow person or um, what would really then be called like a an intruder. The theme is like an intruder hallucination. Mm-hmm. And when I, we say hallucination because we are resting on the recognition that these are internal stimuli that you're perceiving and they're not reality based and they have themes though and those themes do as you say cut across cultures of Mm -hmm. like the intruder whether it's a shadow figure intruder or what we might call a ghost and that's where the cultural piece comes in what do you label that intruder right that's the the vision piece then there's the sensory perception of like leaving one's body oh yeah like yep Falling or levitating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that might, maybe then some people might say that's evidence of an alien abduction. Um, right. So some people perceive that as alien abduction yeah, or something. That seems I've, to fit in that category. And I just guess that. That's th- that's oh, how. <laughs> that happens to me uh, during these episodes. Yeah, but I you don't attribute body it. body experiences mm-hmm. where I can look back on myself. Yeah. I can, you know, float around the room. Mm-hmm. I can fly mm-hmm. to other areas of the world wherever mm-hmm. I want, wherever my imagine- imagination can take me. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is a very pleasant experience for the most part. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But you experience as that as a physical, as yeah. your your body separating from your consciousness or or a movement of your body that you don't control. And that part is the sleep paralysis part. And then the, the third common theme of co-occurring physical sensations is the chest pressure one. Whereas, again, oh, yeah. the, the incubus, the succubus, the, the witch, the demon, whatever sitting on your chest interpretation. So... What I think, if I could just narrow that down, is we've got the hallucinations Mm -hmm. that we experience, whether they're auditory, visual, or physical sensations, and then the sleep paralysis, the paralysis part of it, the I can't control my body part of it. And I think what when people experience a hallucination and aren't aware that it's a hallucination and they see it as in reality, then it becomes a, a faulty directional association, a causal link they make. This external stimuli that's actually internal, but they're attributing to external, like a ghost or an incubus or succubus or an alien, is causing my loss of motor control. Right. When in reality, it's the conscious awareness of the loss of motor control that makes it sleep paralysis. Yeah. Every single person who experiences REM sleep experiences sleep paralysis nearly like every single night. Yeah. And most people don't know that. And when my students, my freshmen, I would be teaching about sleep and levels of consciousness. And before I even start the lecture, there's a hand up. I have sleep paralysis. And of course, I react to them with like absolute compassion and say, Mm -hmm. I want to hear about that. We'll talk more about what those experiences are like when you become aware of your sleep paralysis. Right. And then I say, Did every, does anyone in the room, do, who knows that everyone does actually experience sleep paralysis? Right. And we talk about why that is physiologically. And then the disorder part or the parasomnia part, I want right. to say, I'm, I'm hesitant to even call it a disorder. No, me too. 
because yeah. it's not a. Dis- I mean, you're a doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I don't, we don't, I don't have view a it myself mm-hmm. as a disorder. I'm not yeah. like, oh, I have a disorder. I have sleep. I don't see it. You know, yeah. and I was hesitant to call it like I suffer from sleep. Sleep. I mm-hmm. don't suffer from it. I really don't. I have these episodes that happen every mm-hmm. once in a while. Anyway, sure. sorry. Go well, ahead. yeah, when we use words like hallucination, yeah, you know, that's gonna that's that's can be scary in and of itself. I'm tripping. You're tripping on I'm sleep, just- man. <laughs> <laughs> Because sleep isn't, again, we talked about it before, an, like an altered state of consciousness. It's right. one of those things that we all go through it every day. Yep. Hopefully, if you're sleeping every day. And lo and behold, people with sleep difficulties may have a range of parasomnias. And this is one of them that yeah. is almost as common as insomnia. I didn't oh, know that. Okay. When you said one in five, like insomnia is one in five people as well. Well, one in five people have it at least once in their yeah, life. Yeah, 20% right? life. I think it's a lot less who are like me who have it, you know, five times a year. Yeah, no, that... that and then some people have it like every night. Yeah. And I'm sure that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. that's... Well, you're... You are, I'm diagnosing you on our podcast. It's definitely not cool to do that to my own husband without proper assessment. But you're having it probably more than most people. Stop diagnosing me. <laughs> How dare you? It, but the thing is, you have adjusted such that those quote hallucinations part of it the the peripheral symptoms that go along with it don't cause you the distress that they cause other people well when i saw that girl and this was only like a year or two years ago Mm -hmm. when i saw that girl she was terrifying Mm -hmm. i was really trying to scream because i couldn't move because i was trying to get up to like go get up and, and try to do something like block her or whatever from entering the room and i couldn't so i was trying to like scream myself awake Mm -hmm. right which is so I can move something and it's, I, I think the reason why, obviously I can't move my jaw, right? Cause like yeah. you said, we're all experiencing sleep paralysis. So we all like our, our nervous system shuts down because it doesn't want us flailing like in our sleep and doing yeah, all kinds of crazy not shit. Not like black and white though. Not like complete loss of right. functioning. We move. And then I'm only, I'm not able to scream because your body also regulates your respiration. Mm-hmm. So you can't pull in a deep breath, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, <gasps> you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you just, you Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever's yeah. in your yeah. whatever's in your in your in your uh, lungs from being able to you know what your body regulates you as being able to breathe yeah and that's like my cue with kind of my cue with you now is if i'm making that sound and you've had to wake me up probably three or four times you've noticed you've it's woken you up and you've woken me up during it mm-hmm. yeah this wasn't even the most recent thing that's happened. You woke me up more recently than this. Oh, gosh. And you don't remember. Uh, and maybe you're like half asleep. Too, I am. So you just don't I remember am. It. So, yeah, yeah they're, I mean, half. You... Maybe this whole thing is a hallucination. I don't have this <laughs> at all. And we're just all bullshitting here. Well, that's what's so important about knowing when you when you need support, you know, from your partner or from, from a health provider. Should I explain what I meant by everybody has sleep paralysis yeah you should definitely go into that because i know what you meant but yeah. you need to talk about there's <laughs> yeah. a there's a different part of this yeah where i'm aware yeah when i am because yeah of course our nervous our central nervous system shuts yeah. certain things down so we're not flailing in yeah. our sleep and hitting our partners in the face accidentally of course well, that's, uh, that's but then a, there's yeah. this part where you know aware of it and conscious and some people who suffer from this actually are like eyes open yeah and they are awake but their body is still in that that sleep area so they're not just dreaming, but mm-hmm. their eyes are away are, are open and they're seeing the room that they're in. Yeah. Layered on top of that is their dream state. Layered on top of that is their awareness of their paralysis. And and I think I've gone through that before, but I there's no way to tell because I've never done a sleep study and I don't wake you up until I'm screaming. So <laughs> everybody's gonna message you like you should do a sleep study. This and like really, oh, um, maybe I should. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of other things going on in my life, and maybe the sleep study is in order. But anyway, for this, I've I've come to peace with it, and I'm at a I'm at a I'm at a good spot with it. I really yeah. am. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother. I know you're like, how can that not bother you? You dreamed of this little girl like pointing at you, and and you know she was clearly dead. Like in my mind, she was clearly dead, like a ghost or something like that. But also. It was a fucking dream. And and nightmares are something we've talked about a lot too. Yeah. For a really long time in my life, I had a nightmare every single night. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you about that before. Mm-hmm. But again, I've come to a good place where uh, as weird as this sounds, like it's just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You just wake up from it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that was freaky. And then you go back to bed mm-hmm. and you have a good night's sleep. Yeah. And so. Sometimes. Most of the time. You just touched on so many different things that I know. That sorry. I, could but you uh explain mm-hmm. sleep paralysis that's where sure. we okay. left off uh, the most basic word for it that is the like a non-clinical word for it it's atonia it's just a loss of muscle control that is adaptive when we're in REM sleep so that we don't act out our dreams mm-hmm. that's theoretically why we 
experience atonia while we're sleeping. So we don't accidentally hit kick, our, yeah. run, jump it, yeah. off the bed into bite, our partner, spit. bite any whatever you whatever <laughs> weird things you might do in your dreams. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that's again, as I think I mentioned in a previous episode, but we don't know. We know a lot about the topography of sleep because of sleep clinics, sleep mm-hmm. labs, sleep studies, sleep science has advanced a lot. We know a lot about what sleep looks like and we have different theories about the function of, of the different stages of sleep and the things our body and our brain do while we sleep. Right. So that I think is the... And which demons are responsible for what disorders? We yeah. Have. They're all yeah. named in the... <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. So REM sleep, and I don't even want to take for granted that everyone knows what that is, but it's rapid eye movement sleep. It is the, it's the fourth stage of sleep, if you want to call it that. And it's where our dreams happen. Typically, we can dream in stage one or stage two sleep, like our lighter stages of sleep or even deep sleep. But stage three deep sleep and stage four REM sleep are both types of deep sleep. Yeah. They just look really different in the brain. And so part of the difference in the brain of REM sleep is that the brain wave activity looks actually a lot like being awake. And that's different from the first three phases of sleep that like it's the most similar to an yeah. awake brain. Um, and that might be why the atonia that we're experiencing in REM sleep for most people will stop when we wake up because for most of us, we go, we gradually go back into deep sleep and light phases of sleep and we wake up gradually when people wake abruptly like from a nightmare or or who have another parasomnia that disrupts the order or the levels or the stages of sleep they might become pretty fully conscious consciousness that like eyes open or some level of consciousness but their body their peripheral nervous system hasn't gotten the message yet right and that's a very oversimplified again i'm i i treat insomnia but i am not like this isn't my doctoral area and i'm not a um neuro neuropsychologist or a neuro sleep specialist so like i'm not i'm doing this at like what i do with my clients because what yeah. i love to do as a clinician is to help people understand things on a basic enough level yeah well this is a live. podcast so, yeah okay yeah. so i always feel like i have to say i'm not, I'm not like the expert i have some expertise um she's an expert <laughs> just don't don't no <laughs> just shut you shut up you shut your mouth (laughs) (laughs) so that's where what we call sleep paralysis is when that atonia or sleep paralysis that we all normatively have is disrupted it's considered a REM behavior disorder Mm -hmm. I think well it's part it's a akin to a REM behavior disorder like sleepwalking Mm -hmm. which is another example of you're supposed to be having atonia but you're not yeah so it's kind of the the flip side of it Yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 Um, you're not supposed to walk around while you're in REM sleep yep. uh, or deep sleep. So we had people who were kicked out of boot camp, actually anecdotally because they well, slept, go- sleptwalked. Not good for yeah. them, but like it's no, a very yeah. dangerous condition. We, so we laugh like, about it because it's more common as right. when we're kids, when we're in safe environments, but for an adult, that's really dangerous. Right. And for everybody out there, I was in the Coast Guard. So mm-hmm. you can imagine oh being on a boat in the middle of the ocean and having someone sleepwalk. Oh. You can't do it. It's no. impossible. Uh-uh. So we did have guys who, unfortunately, they wanted to serve, but they they, they couldn't because they, they sleptwalk. It's not even just yeah. like the like the ridiculous image of someone walking off the ship. It's if you're underneath, I'll, you can trip every few feet oh, yeah. on one of those ships. Like just the way the, ho- the door holes it's are. It's the going overboard thing, though. I think that is the most biggest concern. I guess. I mean, how many people are sleeping on the deck? But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, people who sleepwalk can go upstairs, go downstairs. Yeah, they go, can get they all can, over the place, for sure. When right. you walk those corridors enough, yeah. you, it's muscle memory. You're right. Yeah. That's a good point. I think I was just going to explain what I meant by everyone has sleep yeah. paralysis. And you were. But yeah. when it becomes dysregulated, right. and it's a, then a REM behavior disorder, whether it's like excessive sleep paralysis and like mismatched, as in what we're talking about, whether it's sleepwalking. Um, and also, as you mentioned, the fully awake while also having so because it's more common i think i've done that a few times so that's going to be more indicative of a pretty severe REM behavior disorder or pretty severe sleep disorder like Mm -hmm. narcolepsy oh yeah so because with narcolepsy like you're awake and then you're asleep or i mean not like i'm snapping my fingers like i'm you know sleep right i'm not (laughs) hypnotizing anyone but it can feel like that level your levels of consciousness can can alter very rapidly but again, just like insomnia, most cases of narcolepsy are not that severe. They're much more like a in and out of difficulty sleeping mm-hmm. or in and out. Like I have to nap all day or pulled to nap more than you want to be. 
So sleep paralysis co-occurs with narcolepsy, co-occurs with some, with insomnia to some extent, not a ton, more commonly with like post-traumatic stress disorder and other anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. Because there may be this, we don't know, I think, but the, to look at more of the articles, but I think there's an aspect of like heightened alertness in parts of the brain. And then that REM sleep does not counteract. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so you're still too, like too alert. So when you can treat PTSD, that's where there might be the role of, of CBT for insomnia or treatments for anxiety disorders or treatments for PTSD. If you can treat the, anything that's causing a heightened alert state and help people calm, then maybe you'll have less of those episodes with the REM sleep not being able to kind of counterbalance that. Right. Totally oversimplified way of saying it, but. No, I think that's fine. Yeah. And I get it. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I looked up kind of the causes for it when I was younger and I finally put a name for it, lack of sleep is one of like you're overtired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely triggers it for me. If It's been like mm-hmm. a long, like I, it happens. And, and just to go a little bit more into myself when it does happen and there are cues that I know it's about to happen. One of those cues is that I have, there's this static sound. It's a really loud kind of whooshing, like mm-hmm. that happens and I know it's coming. And if I can catch it early enough, I can turn it into a happy dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if I don't, then you know, then it's it's at the at at my uh, at my subconscious's whim yeah. as to what will happen so during you... the dream. And sometimes it's still happy. Don't get me wrong. And and I also want also want to preface this with I did not have like I've had this since I was a kid. I did not have a traumatic childhood at all. I had a very good childhood, you know, comparatively speaking. No no trauma. Uh, I, I, I often tell Anna that I feel like I've had a very charmed life and, oh. and I do, I believe that 100%. So no, nothing, nothing crazy there. This is probably all genetics or, or all, you yeah, know, some so, other, uh, some other thing that's explainable that doesn't have anything to do with trauma or, or anything psychological right. that happened to me. I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it does kind of swing it back to recognizing that the sleep disorders have a neurobiological basis for the most part. Right. Now, insomnia is, a, is like an interesting one because it it's got a neural your essentially your circadian rhythms are out of whack or your sleep cycles if you want to like they're they're not in sync. So there's a neuro there's a biological thing happening. Yeah. But it's mostly behavioral around habits and thoughts and beliefs and experiences around sleep. And so it's so responsive to cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. But something like narcolepsy or REM behavior disorders or para- extreme parasomnias like very chronic sleep paralysis are are more neurobiological in nature and they need to be assessed by sleep specialists in sleep lab, sleep clinics and looked at in a more comprehensive way or more pinpointed way I should say. I think yeah. and you brought up there was another piece there again I'm always so many pieces I don't want to forget. The whooshing sound? The whooshing sound. Oh and, yeah. And also, oh, and that, also that's what I wanted to quick. say. And also a mm-hmm. feeling of weightlessness like I, I feel like I am flying or falling. Yeah. That's another thing that happens. But go ahead. Okay, two things with that. One is another piece parasomnia is like sleep paralysis are sleep paralysis especially is pretty more common with people who experience their dreams in a more lucid way or more common nightmares. And that doesn't, it, it's actually the ability like to remember them or to experience them in more light stages of sleep. So as I mentioned, you can have dreams in light stages of sleep. What we call lucid dreaming is the ability to like alter your dreams or feel like a more, um, a, you're, you're dreaming while in a lighter stage of sleep. So you're semi, more semi-conscious in that way. And that might be why you can interact with that dream to some extent. Yeah. That again might be just a genetic thing. There are just people who might have more lucid dreaming or more um, light stage sleep dreaming. It's the way their brain is wired. I heard something you can practice and get better. Lucid dreaming is something you can practice and get better at. I don't know if that's true or not because I've always had a proclivity. Is that right? I've always had a propensity. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> so, Either the propensity or proclivity to be able to do yeah, it. Yeah. And that right? again, I think naturally. It, right. Provides some evidence that it, you might have sort of a genetic, like be a part of the group of people who have like these genetic predispositions to that those types of parasomnias. And for the rest of us, we just mostly dream in REM sleep. We barely remember. We mostly just remember our last dream of the night and... We have sometimes have dreams where we're like, oh, I'm, I think I'm dreaming. And then we wake up or then we just move on to the next dream. Right. Most of us will have, to go back to that feeling of that sensation of falling, that very common, I, I kind of think of it as like you're shifting from stage two sleep into stage three sleep, like you're drifting off to sleep feeling. That's that like I'm falling sensation. 
where many of us either don't notice it or just have become accustomed to it part of our sleep. But if you are a more lucid dreamer or you have more of a a parasomnia-like kind of proclivities, not proclivities, tendencies, you might interpret that sensation as distressing um, or as something you can interact with. And that's where it's that second, it's one of those categories of common hallucinations. It's not the same as like a schizophrenia hallucination, a daytime, full, conscious, awake hallucination. This is called a, if you're falling asleep, it's a hypnagogic hallucination or hypnagogic, terrible pronouncing that. They're just technical terms for hallucinations when you're falling asleep or when you're waking up. Hypnopompic, hypnagogic, whatever. Of course, we're all going to get mad at you for not I know here, <laughs> so. so but also, I'm just sleepy so I'm for, I'm forgetting <laughs> propensity and proclivity uh, a propensity is when you are trying to do something you want to do something yeah proclivity is when proclivity you are is good when at something. you are just naturally yeah good or at a predisposition yeah. has nothing to do with yeah. skills or abilities I put it's that in your a... head so I, I, <laughs> yeah I thank you you yeah. put the p words in my head okay people can be, get better at lucid dreaming i don't know this now you're starting to get into that whole like oh yeah i don't know either meditation transcendental told. meditation yeah. stuff and i think that we can strengthen i know that you can strengthen your alpha wave capacity by just mindfulness meditation which is this essentially getting yourself into like a light sleep type of brain during the day so you can relax more easily that's a skill that we all could get better at to help us have better sleep the paradox of being people if you have sleep paralysis and you're in a category of people who have strong lucid dream abilities it's it's whether it's distressing or not and if you are using that to your advantage to be able to relax more or to be able to work with like nightmares which also can be more common for people with parasomnias it's one of the chronic nightmare issues with parasomnias you can use like it doesn't have super strong evidence i think it's like a b rating evidence of like imaginal um imagery rehearsal training or imagery rehearsal therapy where if you have a chronic nightmare like the same type of dream to practice that like rehearse that dream before bed and like alter it a bit you, you it should be guided by a therapist and it's again not super strong evidence for it but some people can alter those nightmares on purpose it's kind of rehearsing a dream to, and then being able to change it a little bit when you actually have the dream mm, okay yeah that's there's so it's such a fascinating tapestry our sleep landscape okay mixing metaphors yes it is mm-hmm. and um so do you want to hear some other user submitted experiences with this yeah i'll just tell me tell me more sleep stories Okay. This one, and again, this is BuzzFeed did a user submission thing where they kind of, you know, pick their top favorites or whatever. And I'm not sure if they ever made a documentary on it and didn't see anything, uh, but I'll, I'll put the, the link in this, of course, in, in our uh, show notes so that everybody can go and read these if they want. I'm just going to read a couple. So this one was submitted by Charlotte C. Mm-hmm. The first time it happened, I remember waking and an enormous pressure bearing down on me and a loud, almost deafening buzz sound in my ears. So already we have two things that we've talked about, right? We have that pressure, the incubus succubus sitting on your chest, Mm -hmm. and the deafening buzzing sound in my ears. That's something that I experience all the time. That's the whooshing sound that I think I, I think that's the same thing. I felt threatened as though some malevolent demonic presence was hovering above me, trying to possess me, trying to force itself into my body, and I was unable to fight it off. I can remember trying to speak to tell it to go away, to leave me alone, and that I wouldn't let it have me. Eventually, the sound in my ears faded away and the pressure eased and I was able to move again. At the time, I didn't really know about sleep paralysis. It wasn't until I stumbled upon an article about it that I realized what I was suffering from. Although I now know that I'm not actually being attacked by some demonic force, it's still absolutely terrifying when you're stuck in the moment and unable to do anything except for wait for it to end. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And again, we hear those themes. We, we hear demonic pressure on the chest, buzzing sound. This one is from Matthew. I see manifestations of horror in my bedroom at least once a week, from random people chilling in on chair at the bottom of my bed to creepy old ladies to swarms of flying ants or bats. The worst thing I saw was someone hanging right above my head. I couldn't move. I wanted to cry. I couldn't sleep in my room for a few days after that. The likelihood of it happening increases whether there's someone in my bed. This is Mega Ox. Mega Ox. A-W-K-S. This is Mega Awkward. Oh, okay, thanks. I was like, oh, that's not an abbreviation. (laughs) Recently, some Tinder dude told me in the morning that I was like the fucking exorcist last night. And he 
Blades wasn't. <laughs> it's too hard to read. <laughs> and he Blades wasn't talking about activities that happened when I was awake. FML. A person was terrified like that there was something going on. And then they were the one terrifying their bed partner. This one's from Naomi. I started experiencing sleep paralysis during the exam period of my first year at university, a very stressful time for me. The first time it happened, I woke up with the feeling that I was being suffocated. My bed was literally swallowing me up. The more I panicked, the faster my pulse and breathing became. The quicker I was disappearing into the bed. I couldn't move a muscle, and my attempts to scream were silent. After I calmed myself down, I kind of drifted out of my paralysis state and woke up completely. The second time it happened, I awoke to see a very tall man standing by my door, holding something behind his back and moving toward me very slowly. Once again, I couldn't move and I couldn't make a sound. It is definitely the most terrifying experience. Mm. So I, maybe I downplayed it a bit. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, so many thoughts that, going through my head. Yeah. Right. And we, mm -hmm. hear the, we hear the theme of she was stressed. Yeah. It was during um, university, right? She was, mm -hmm. exams were going on. So she's probably lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. Something's going on there. The, the pressure on your chest and the breathing thing, what I read about it is, I've already kind of touched on it, is that your, your nervous system only allows your, you know, your muscles to move a certain amount. And when you try to breathe in and, and scream or try to hyperventilate and you can't, that freaks you out even more, right? Because right? you're like, oh no, I can't breathe. And it's like, no, 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 you're breathing. You're getting enough oxygen into your body that your brain requires. It's just that your nervous system isn't allowing you to breathe in fully because yeah. it doesn't allow you to I don't know what's the word sigh during the night or or um, uh, or hyperventilate or or get too much oxygen into your blood. Mm -hmm. Like there there are certain protections that your nervous system has in place, and so when you feel that you're like, oh, I can't breathe. It's like no, you are breathing and you can breathe and you're breathing right now. Yeah. Because if you didn't, you'd be dead. Right. So and, <laughs> and that's another important thing to kind of remind yourself about when you're going through that. Yeah, it reminds. And another co-occurring con condition that can be a driver of this is is sleep apnea or any obstructions to sleep or to breathing when sleeping can can be a driver of this as well yeah but the, and then with the second person with the bed partner person yeah uh even though we think okay they're just they're hooking up with someone they're relaxed what i think maybe co-occurring explanation could can think about substances alcohol use or substance yeah. use can trigger these episodes as well sure um or be associated because you're altering substances alter our sleep cycles on our, our especially like REM suppression yeah um, so if REM is increased just dysregulating REM it's always paradoxical sometimes the treatments for these things are like a REM suppressive dr drug on purpose um, so you have less of it but you don't want to take substances that do that not systematically yeah mm -hmm. one more mm -hmm. it happens every time I fall asleep on my back I wake up and I can't tell if my eyes are open or shut but I can see my whole room a dark presence is lurking on top of my wardrobe. And as soon as I notice it, I try and scream, but I can't scream. I can't even move. The darkness slithers down the side of my wardrobe, across the floor, and looms over the end of my bed. Then it creeps all over me, trying to invade every orifice. Woo. I feel an immense pressure like it has pinned me down and is pushing its way into my ears, eyes, and mouth. The darkness then screams a terrible screech in my face, and I try to scream back until eventually I manage to jerk my head and everything disappears, and I'm alone in the darkness. It's the most terrifying of experiences. Mm -hmm. And this is from Ting, T-I-N-G, yeah. Ting. Yeah, and so a lot of that intruder hallucination theme that comes up that as you yeah. mentioned there are evolutionary theories yeah, that would explain yeah. all of this that like and the slithering you know the snake-like stuff we've talked sure. about that before yeah well so there those two layers of it to me it's the wh why these themes and you've touched on them these that the common hypnagogic or hypnopompic hallucinations that co-occur with sleep paralysis fall in those three categories of intruder yeah vestibular motor hallucination so your body's moving in space so maybe the, the floating or moving, floating above yourself, all that floating stuff, <laughs> and then the chest pressure. So those three then may be linked, intruder hallucination may be linked to the evolutionary fears of how vulnerable we are when we're going to sleep. Right. So how we're in, we're not adept, we're not nocturnal creatures. So nighttime is very dangerous for us, combined with the fact that then we go into this super vulnerable, not fully conscious state of sleep. 
and it's nighttime is scary. Like then our, we've just evolved all of these fears of yeah. intruders or pred- darkness. predators, yeah. darkness. It's all scary stuff. And we know, I mean, that, yeah, that's it. And then there's the piece. So that's the layer of like the possible evolutionary explanation for that. You already touched on the possible physiological explanation for the chest pressure. So it's not a succubus or an incubus. Right. It's your body's own nervous system, not, not in sync and shutting down those chest and breathing functions slowing them down not shutting them down mm-hmm. and then the floating one the the motor movement pieces maybe we don't have like a solid theory on that one but maybe more akin to that falling asleep drifting off the sleep sensations or that's the funnest part sometimes it's super yeah i actually yeah, liked like that as a kid and, like oh yeah. i'm falling but yeah it's probably not alien abduction then there's the narrative around it so that story you just told i heard a person who's created a really strong narrative yeah. of this for herself yeah. and or themselves that becomes a like self-fulfilling prophecy or perpetuating or becomes a, ni- a nightmare. Now you have the co-occurring nightmare, right. nightmare conditions that people might experience. And the identity-based piece of that too, like you go around telling people, this is what happens to me. And you're just, you're more likely to experience that you made a narrative. This is who I am. This is what it goes on. And your brain will fulfill that for you in the same way. Right. So this is this is where therapies that can help people adjust in the way that you have, where you're able to very much let it be, let it go each time. Yeah. And that, I mean, I just tell people that I'm actually super terrified every single time. Like when I was doing my research for this, I was like, this is going to, I'm going to kick off an episode. Like mm. this is going to happen. Like I was totally ready for it last night. I was like, yeah. I've read so much about this, like this this is going to happen. And so uh, you're drinking a ton of caffeine. And so you're, you're like, I'm just going to drink a ton of caffeine. I'm going to keep myself up and then I'm going to drink a bunch of whiskey. And then yeah. <laughs> no, you're not, you're no, not doing and, things to make it worse. And I was kidding about it being terrified, yeah. but I'm not. Yeah. And I learned to live with it and I don't, I don't suffer from it. It's not mm-hmm. something, but again, I'm not trying to play down that anybody else can't suffer from that. Of course you can. Yeah. Everybody's got different things going on in their life. Like I said, I, I had a, you know, I've had a, a, a really great life so far, but you know, if this is something that's being caused by trauma or being caused by a negative experience in your life, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. I'm sure that there are much more terrifying uh, things that can happen in your life. Um, in, in real life than, than in any dream, but then that can seep into your dreams and, and cause it to blow up and, and confabulate. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a good point because it isn't, we're not saying, I'm not suggesting just let it go. Like, especially when, if there is a trauma based link to any of this, like that isn't just not that easy to just to let go. And then, as you said, some of these experiences people can describe in your stories they can be like lowercase t trauma traumatic when yeah. they happen. So then people are yeah. in a heightened anxiety state about going guy. into yeah. sleep. Yeah. So a Come lot of what I work room. with with yeah. an insomnia is people become really upset about sleep or their bed or their bedroom becomes an anxiety provoking place and gets what's really hard to do, you know, when you're feeling like that. Yeah. Get to sleep. So there's so much to it. Just helping people understand the science of sleep and how right. amazingly variable it is but also our daytime life influences our sleep so the way we take care of ourselves during the day is a huge part we can control yeah Mm -hmm. well i did promise video evidence oh boy yeah so this is a sleep study and it uh you've mentioned this as part of a symptom uh, or that uh sleep paralysis can be a symptom of this and this is uh actually a sleep study on somebody with uh with suspected sleep apnea right so they're doing Mm -hmm. a sleep sleep study to to check Mm mm-hmm and so, uh, hold on, let me, let me cue it up. You might hear. So I'm going to play this. You primed me with all the... <laughs> oh, this guy's going to prime the shit out of yeah. you. Yeah, this isn't, you know. And this is actually one of my favorite guys. This is Nuke. Nuke's top five. If you guys don't watch it, you should. It's great. Oh, boy. Here, hit play <laughs> if you can. Aw. Right? Thoughts? Where was the setting? What do you mean? Was it at... He said it was a, during a sleep study, but was it... It's in a sleep lab. An undisclosed location, he couldn't say what it was, because as you can see, this person is recording it on their cell phone. Like, they're recording the patient uh-huh. being recorded from their cell phone. Okay. So, obviously, this is a HIPAA violation, if nothing else. Yeah, I was like, where did this come from? In mm-hmm. some, well, maybe not HIPAA violation, I guess you can't, there's You not, can't even you identify can't them. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. identify who that person is. Mm-hmm. But but the ahead. release of it would have been a yeah yeah. But go ahead and explain what you just saw. I just I just saw a video of a, a woman or a person. You can't really there's it's so fuzzy and, and black and white. Lying in a bed and they're rolling over and then it looks like a really fuzzy something is moving on her pillow and maybe touching the side of her head mm-hmm. at some point. And then she rolls over and that fuzzy thing is still kind of there. It just looks like it's been blurred. 
Yeah. In my mind, I think there's a cat on the pillow. Oh. That's see. the that picture like I paint in my head. I think there might be a cat sleeping with her. And I think this is a sleep lab. Like, I don't think they allow well, cats in the sleep I, that's lab. That's why I asked they? the context, because could it could be in a nursing home. It could have been a community living center. Could it be an apartment? Obviously, it could be this person's home where there's many places where there could be an animal, or like a cat on the bed. Yeah, I don't think it is. Okay. I think it's in a controlled environment because you can see like the hospital light above it. Well, that's why I asked if it could have been like a and, nursing facility though. Right, but that thing didn't move like a cat. This thing oh, is like... I can, oh, how man. can you tell? It's just like a fuzzy... Because it, it like fades away. It like bounces and fades away. You're right. It does kind of look like a cat at first and then it just looks like gone. But it doesn't look like anything. I thought I would think that from your tech perspective, couldn't that be completely altered to make a, make it look like there was something on the bed? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. no. Like this could all be After Effects or this could all be yeah. some kind of... And they, I guess what and, makes it more real, and, and maybe this is the trick, right? Is that they actually have the, the brain waves and the breathing, the respiration. The monitor on the outside. The monitor, like showing you what's going on with this person. Mm-hmm. And so the person stops breathing and then you see the shadowy figure come in and shake them awake and then they start breathing again once that shadowy figure comes in and wakes and, and wakes them up. That's what they told, tell you in the yeah. narrative. Yeah, that's that what the this person has of stopped this. breathing and then this object next to them moves them and they, they're shaken awake. But so it they doesn't start breathing. They say it's the ghost of her deceased husband right. caring for her from beyond the grave, which it, is lovely. Yeah, it is a lovely thought. It doesn't look like a cat to me, but you're right. There's a blur around it. You can it's all see. blur. <laughs> it's all I yeah, see. Yeah, it's pretty potato quality. But anyway, I will make sure to put this into yeah. the show notes as well for everybody else to uh, see. But Anna is convinced it's a cat. So I think that is her explanation for this. That's, but I don't. Her scientific um, explanation. Uh, you're the AV. The cat. What do you think? What do you it's think It's the it sleep is? apnea cat. What do you think it is? The sleep apnea cat. It's this cat that goes around and monitors sleep apnea and bats at people when it notices that they're not asleep, when they're not breathing. And that's a really it, cool potential function of an animal in a, in a nursing facility. Event. It's really hard <laughs> to tell because there are reactions happening in the video, but also the reactions are obfuscated, I think, to hide the identity of who these people are because they're clearly recording something that they shouldn't and passing it out on the internet. The mm -hmm. recording and passing out something on the mm -hmm. internet because I very much doubt that this patient consented to have this submitted to a paranormal <laughs> review mm -hmm. on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So always hard to tell when it comes from an unknown source, whether it's legitimate or not. If it is legitimate, like Anna said, it's so grainy. Mm -hmm. It's so grainy. What could be happening? Uh, yeah, it could be a cat. It's really hard to tell. I would never say that this is something paranormal and put it up as proof, even though I just did put it up as proof. Mm -hmm. um, but I had to provide you some kind of evidence. And it was really, this actually took me a really long because I was like, oh, I saw that video at one point and it took me probably an hour and a half to find this video today. <laughs> so I had to show it. And it is interesting that like the person is apparently not breathing and then wakes themselves up. But that also is something that happens naturally when we sleep. Anyways, that's kind of the point of what apnea is supposed to be, which is your body doesn't wake itself up or that it has a harder time waking itself up when you stop breathing. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Yeah. yeah, I think it's fascinating. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about my part. I started this off and, and I said I was going to be a little bit different. And I guess I finally was a little bit different, at least different enough for Anna work. Kind of threw you off a little bit at uh -huh. the beginning of this whole thing where you're like, Whoa. Uh -huh. um, I was really surprised that you didn't remember that story because I did tell you about the... I, yeah. Yeah. I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. You do. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is something that I need to objectively step away from because it is something that uh, I'm affected by. Mm -hmm. well, uh, do you have to say that I'm grateful that you don't interpret it as a paranormal phenomena yeah, that'd happening be, to you? Right. That'd be really hard for me to do because I don't necessarily believe it. I haven't seen, let me put it this way. I haven't seen any really great proof of paranormal things. I've never experienced anything paranormal, maybe once, but we'll talk about that in another episode. Okay. The sleep apnea cat does not have you convinced. The sleep apnea cat does not have me convinced. Mm -hmm. All of the explanations for this seem to be really deeply rooted in religion, which like you said, makes sense because at one point that's all we had. That's yeah. all the common person had to yeah. explain certain things that they, that they didn't understand. Well, and the, and the, one of the most common moments of our lives when we feel a sense of uncertainty and vulnerability to the unknown is in the dark. At night. Yeah. And on that note, mm -hmm. if you have ever had an episode of sleep paralysis and you want to talk about it or send us something about it, we'd love to hear from you. Send mm -hmm. them to stories at paranormaloutsiders.com 
Or if you have a story that you'd love to hear me and Anna talk about, send it along. Paranormal topic you'd like us to uh, break down. Yeah. I guess just not any story. Like one time uh, I was like walking <laughs> right. around. I saw like a double rainbow. Right. You know, Can you talk like, about that? Double rainbow? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, and I guess I will also add, of course, this isn't an advice podcast, but we talked about one of my favorite areas, which is helping people sleep. So if you're having trouble sleeping, having any of the possible range of difficulties we talked about, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine's a, a nice place to start. Their website can refer you to people who have expertise in helping the old aasm yeah the asm mm-hmm. yeah yeah good stuff give them a call tell them on a sent you all right everybody well thanks for listening in this week hope you enjoyed it bye